Okay, before we go any further, you need to believe in these words in the chorus. It says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. You're not singing for your neighbor. You're not even singing for yourself. You're singing to the Lord. And when you're singing, you're not even singing from your mouth. It says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. So let's sing to the Lord on these remaining verses. Verse number two. Oh, when through the wood and forest blades of wonder. When Christ shall come with shout of
fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lead us in preaching of your word today, Lord. Lord, I ask that you also just uplift everyone here, Lord. And Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen and amen as we continue to praise the Lord. We can praise him this morning because he lives. Amen. Hymn 142. Hymn 142. We'll do all verses. Hymn 142. Because he lives. Hymn 142. Because he lives. God sent his son. They
Amen. When he gives us faith to carry on, it's also because we know that he lives. Amen. So turn to hymn number 140 as we stand once again as the choir passes down to uh, hymn number 140, He Lives. He is living whatever men may 
Central Park Baptist Church, you may be seated. We're awful glad that you're here today. Our ushers are coming forward. If you're a first-time visitor here at Central Park Baptist Church, and uh, this is your first time here, and they did not receive a visitor card, as the ushers come down, if you'd raise your hand, they'll give you a, uh, a visitor card. We're going to ask that you fill that out. After the service uh, is over, I'm going to be out in the foyer uh, by a big desk that says, Welcome. And I have a gift bag for you, no $20 bill, regardless of what people have told you in the past. <laughs> I got a $2 bill, but it's bogus, so it's not going to work anyway. Uh, but uh, I want to encourage you to, to uh, give that to, to us so that we can have a uh, record of your visit. We want to thank you so much Amen. for being a part of Central Park Baptist Church this Amen. morning. There are a lot of churches here in our area, but you've chosen to be here today, and I know God will bless you, and we thank you for being here and a part of Central Park Baptist Church. Pastor? Amen. Well, it's good to be home, amen. amen. I'm glad to be back. I told my wife, I said, I don't know. I said, but I missed everybody this time. Now, now you may have missed her, amen. You know, I, I, I said, I, I thought, I said something to uh, someone earlier this morning, I said, now, did you miss me? And they said, well, was you gone? <laughs> I won't tell you who it is, but, you know. 
Well, that's that's close, but it wasn't. But it's good to be home. I I, I was up this morning early. I was ready. I told my wife. I said I'm just ready to see everybody, and uh, I'm thankful that God has. Uh, given me a place like Central Park to be a pastor, amen, and, and I'm thankful for uh, good people that's allowed me to be their pastor, and and uh, we had a good uh, time away, we had a chance to hear some really good preaching, and uh, just a chance to go and get refreshed and uh, recharged, and so uh, I'm thankful for that, and uh, so, but it's good to be home. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of the Lord, amen. <laughs> Uh, but now it's time for another good offering. Had a good offering last week, amen. amen. We might as well do it twice, amen. amen. Now that was awful week. Y'all did good on the first one, but you know, so, uh, but let's have a good offering this morning and uh, we'll talk a little more about that during the announcements. I've got, I want to encourage you, had some, uh, had some good news and some good things happen while we were away and, and uh, just something I think that will encourage you too as well. And so we'll, but we'll share that a little bit later. But uh, may the Lord bless you this morning as you give. Dear Father, I'm thankful, Lord, today for Central Park Baptist Church. Thank you for our people. Thank you, Lord, for all of our guests today. And I, I pray that when, uh, Lord, we leave this place this morning, we'll leave saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this place and our people. But thank you most of all, Lord, for the spirit of the Holy uh, God that's in this place today dwells in our hearts. So, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning through the preaching of the Word of God, and we'll give you praise. Bless this offering, Lord. Bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, you please come. singing hymn uh, 504, hymn 504, Count Your Blessings. We'll do the first and last verses of Count Your Blessings, hymn 504. Afterwards, please greet each other as we prepare for this morning's special. Amen. Hymn 504, Count Your Blessings. Sing along. Oh, when upon my pillows you are tipping
right now by having our family members please greet our guests who are with us this morning. Now God's people can say, 
Amen. Thank you, ladies. All kids, uh, junior church, you're dismissed if they've not already was going waiting. Our ladies or that work upstairs, they were up here singing. But if there's any left, you're dismissed. All right. Uh, Brother Thornton, come on up. Uh, I'll let Brother Thornton uh, introduce himself. Uh, uh, he and his wife, they're, they're in Argentina. It's been a while since they've been here. I think it's uh, 17, 18? 18. 18. So uh, I'm not going to take any more of his time, but he'll be back this afternoon. So I want you to be sure you'll be back uh, today. But Brother Thornton, you just introduce your wife. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Buenos dias. Es un placer estar con ustedes esta mañana. We haven't been away from Argentina very long, so if I throw out some Spanish in the preaching, you just understand that, okay? It's kind of hard to turn the brain uh, back to English after being in Argentina for 33 years. My wife, Pam, is on the third row here, and so we've just been in the States about uh, three or four weeks, and we're still getting accustomed uh, to a little bit. We left summer 95 degrees, you know, it's a little different, you know. We hit Odessa and it was like 32 degrees, you know, I'm, woo, yeah. but uh, it is good to be here. Uh, the church has been faithful in praying and also giving uh, to the ministry in Argentina uh, since 2018. You'll see in the 2 o'clock service uh, what you've been a part of. Uh, we've got a youth camp, a Bible college, uh, planting churches, a church planting network also that we started and been involved in, so You've been a part of that, okay? Fruit abounding to your account. If you take your Bibles, turn with me in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, and you'll just follow along with me. This morning, I think most of us understand that the Great Commission was given to the church. So this morning, I'm going to say the Great Commission was given to you. Huh? That's the Church of Christ, all right? If you take your Bibles, stand with me, please, in honor of God's Word, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. I ask this morning that you would, by your Holy Spirit, take it and apply it to each one of our hearts. I ask if there's someone in this auditorium that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today they would understand your plan of salvation and receive Christ as their Savior, so they can leave here knowing without a shadow of a doubt, that they're on their way to heaven. And Father, we as your children, that we would understand also our responsibility to take the gospel across the world. And I'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. Now, the, the Great Commission, uh, a lot of people get confused, and they think that the Great Commission is only soul winning or evangelism. But if we really look at the scriptures here, we find that it starts... With evangelism. Huh? If you look at verse 19, go ye therefore teach all nations. That's talking about giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But then it says that we need to get them baptized, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The 
perfect will of God is that when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they get baptized so they can be added to a church so they can get busy in that local church. And it says the third part of that uh, is what I call biblical discipleship. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. It's not just teaching them. There's a lot of Christians that's got a lot of head knowledge, but they're not putting it out in practice by obedience. And our job is to teach them to observe all things or to obey all of the Word of God that He has given to us. That's what the Great Commission is. Get them saved, get them baptized, and teach them to obey God in everything. And we understand, some of us have been saved for a while, we understand that the Christian life, the real Christian life, the biblical Christian life, is the hardest life in the world to live. But it is the best. It is the best. I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when I was in the U.S. Army, 21 years of age. Folks, I would not, I would not change my Christian life for what I had before. Okay? I would not. Okay? You can talk about all the hard things that you go through, and, and every once in a while we Christians, especially some of us older ones, get to complaining, well, you know, it's just not right. And I want to just say to you, what I used to tell my daughter, it's life. <laughs> Real life, bad things come and good things come. It's just life, all right? But you and I have been given a challenge by God to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world, and it's to be done through His Churches, okay? That's the way God has commissioned this. The Great Commission was given to His church because Jesus Christ started the very first church in Jerusalem, and then all the other churches sprang from that church. And so He gave it to His local churches that we would be busy about the Father's business, okay? And can I tell you this? The preacher can't do it all. Okay, I was talking to your preacher last night. He and I have of the same mind. A pastor, being a pastor in the ministry, being called by God. The calling of God is this, 24-7. It's 24-7. It's not 8 to 5. That's a job. Being a pastor is not a job. It is a calling. Okay? But even though it is a calling, and even though it is 24-7, the church needs to understand this. The pastor cannot do it all. Right. And I've heard, I've heard church members, well, that's why we hired you. I've been in this thing, for, you know, 43 years. You know, I've, I've heard several things going, going through. Yeah, I've heard church members say, well, that's why we hired you, or that's why we pay you. Okay? All right? And can I tell you this? That's not what he says. All right? Yeah. We, we, all of us have our opinions, okay? Here's my opinion. The Ohio State Buckeyes are the best team on planet Earth. Because I'm from Columbus, Ohio, okay? 
But everybody has their opinions, right? Those from up north, some of you might not understand that, who just won the championship this year might say that that team is the best, you know? <laughs> everybody has an opinion. But we, especially we who are children of God, need to understand this. This is our absolute authority. Okay? It's not just, well, you think that. You know, and I've, I've preached, even in our Bible college, I've taught things, and the students say, well, but. No, there is no but. When God says something, there is no but. It is either obey or disobey. And if we obey, we get the blessings of God. If we disobey, we get... Mm, I know that's not taught much today, you know. Mm, me. Listen, my folks believed what the Bible said, and they weren't even saved. I'm the oldest of five. My mom and dad, they believed in discipline. They didn't know what the Bible, because they weren't saved, you know, but they did it. You and I that know the Word of God, you and I that have the Bible in our hands, you and I are going to be held accountable one day before a holy God if we obeyed Him or if we disobeyed Him. And I want you to know, church, you have the command of God Almighty to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world, starting at your Jerusalem. Acts 1.8, please. Acts 1.8, starting at your Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, just before he ascended up into heaven, Jesus said to the church, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall do all kind of miracles and wonders and all these kind of things, right? That's not what it says. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God gave you and I, Christians, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that dwells in us, that we might be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ, both here and across the world. Okay? And it starts right here in Jerusalem, in your Jerusalem, where you live, where you're at, where you work, where you go to school at. Where you shop, that is where it all begins. It's not good enough that you pray for missionaries, that you give your faith promise offering so that missionaries can go across this world. It's not enough. It starts with you being a faithful witness right here. But, Brother Steve, you don't understand. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't either. Okay? I'll be honest, it's not easy for me to witness. I'm a shy, well, I'm not really a shy person, but it's just, that's why, I'm not a salesman, you know. You know, the man that led me to the Lord, he was five foot two, he was fearless. He was fearless. Man, he, he would witness to anybody. He was fearless. Five foot two, he's in heaven this, this morning. But he was fearless. Okay, I'm not fearless. Okay. 
It's not easy for me to witness. But I cannot use the excuse. You all know what excuse is, right? My, past, my pastor, he, he taught us what excuse. It's a, little, it's a little bit of reason stuffed with a lie. That's what an excuse is, okay? Satan will give us excuses for not obeying what God commands us to do. And God said to us that he gave us his Holy Spirit, which is God, right? And his power to be faithful witnesses, starting at Jerusalem and extending across the entire world. And to be a faithful witness, you've got to do it in your Jerusalem. If you're not doing it in Jerusalem, you're not being faithful. You have to be faithful. Okay? Uh, let's see. This uh, place, what's, what's this town called? Carrollton. Everybody in Carrollton saved, right? Well, let me narrow it down a little bit. Everybody in your family is saved, right? I'm talking about all you, your moms, your dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters. Every, whoops, everybody saved in your family. Not my family. I've still got unsaved people in my family. Okay. How about the people where you work? Everybody saved where you work? Now, when I started my first church and I was working at the post office, I can tell you what, there was only two of us. And there were some hostile ones too, I'm telling you, okay, where I worked. Huh? There's people all around us that need to know about Jesus Christ and God wants us to be a faithful witness. And sometimes Satan throws into our minds this. Well, they're all saved. Look how many churches there are in this place. You know? I mean, we, we're in a city of uh, over a million people. We have three independent Baptist churches. But Carrollton, how many churches is in this place? You know? Man, you, you can hear it on the TV. You can hear it on radio. You can hear it on podcasts. You know? You know? And so we don't need to do it. Yes, we do, because we have been given a command, and God expects faithfulness. God expects faithfulness. When we stand before God one day, he's not going to judge us comparing us to the brother or the sister next door to us. He's going to judge us individually, and he's going to ask, did we do what he told us to do? Did we do what he told us to do with the resources that he gave to us? Because you understand, not everybody in this room has the same abilities. Not everybody in this world has the same amount of cash, right? Uh, not everybody in this room has the same amount of energy. Some of us understand we don't have the energy that we used to have, right? And, and, and that verse in the Bible is very clear to some of us now. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, the spirit wants to lift something up, and then the back says, no, no, no. Huh? Some of you understand what I'm saying, right? God's going to judge us based on what we have done in obedience to his word. To see if we were faithful. And folks, there is no excuse. 
The first verse that I ever memorized, Philippians 4.13. Some of you all know, anybody know Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay? In the beginning, of my, my, when I was a young Christian, I focused on that. I can do all things. I can do it all, you know. But no, because huh? I was thinking in the, in the flesh. But then I understood, no, I cannot. Can I tell you this? In the flesh, I cannot obey all the commands of God. I can't. You can't. Uh, can I tell you, probably we can't do half of them. I'm, t- I'm just t- telling you the truth. We probably cannot. Love those that persecute you. Hmm. Boy, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not going to do that. I'm telling you that right now. Some of us have temperaments that, you know, when we're driving, somebody cuts us off. We want to get in that road rage mode, you know. Huh? And so, you know, we have to understand God is going to judge us based on our faithfulness, not what everything that we did. Because there's some people that God has given more talents to that he's going to require you know, a bigger accountability of them than of me. And so that's what we, faithfulness is the key. God wants us to be faithful witnesses starting at our Jerusalem and then spreading out. But again, I want to focus on Jerusalem. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, and thinking, okay, it starts here in your Jerusalem, obeying the Great Commission, but it continues with us training others. Think about that. It continues with us training others. There are churches that do not train. And then what happens when they're not trained? Some of us start getting older, passing off the scene, right? And yeah, maybe there's some younger ones in the church, but they've not been equipped. They don't know how to do what God wants the church to do. And so the church is lost. And usually sooner or later, shuts its doors. Okay? That's what usually happens. And that's why God tells us that we need to be training, equipping, okay? Mentoring others. In Ephesians chapter 4, look with me at verses 11 and 12. 4, 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles, talking about Jesus, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church, for the edifying of the church. Edifying, talking about uh, growing, 
that the church grows spiritually and also numerically, okay? And so he gave this church a pastor to perfect the saints to do the work of the ministry huh? so that the church can be edified, growing, okay? And as you're doing that, you're going to be trained because he perfects you, trains you, equips you, and you start doing the same thing with others. And it's very important, folks. It's very, very, very important for the cause of Christ. We need to get our eyes on what is best for the church and for the cause of Christ. Because if we don't, we'll stop at evangelism. And we won't take it to its end where we're teaching them to observe all things. There used to be a time in America where you would be trained on the job. Apprenticeship, right? That's the way it was in the early days. Can I tell you this? That's the best way. I'm sorry, that's, that is the best way. Okay? That's the way it is in the Bible, too. Okay? Jesus was with his disciples how many years? It was their apprenticeship time. They were learning from him how to do the work of God. Okay? And so we have here, you know, it's the pastor that equips the members of the church to do the work of the ministry in the church. It's not the pastor's job to do everything in the church. If he is, the church is out of the will of God. Okay? Now, if you're starting a church, usually it's the pastor and his family that's doing everything if you start a church. But a church of this size, hmm? it should not be. Okay? The pastor's main responsibilities, if you study the Bible, much time in prayer, much time in the Word of God. Because if not, he cannot equip you. Much time in prayer, much time in the Word of God. And he understands, hey, you, you get rushed to the hospital 3 a.m. in the morning, you're going to call him, he's going to be there. Huh? All good pastors have done it. I say good because uh, there's some that are not good, okay? But all good pastors have been called out uh, of the sleep 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 2 a.m. Uh, to go to the hospital, and we've gotten up, and we've gone, okay? Even when I, I'll be very honest, I do not like hospital visitation. And I don't like doing funerals. I don't like seeing people suffer. But I do it. I do it. It's part of my calling. It's part of my responsibility based on my call, okay? The pastor, uh, his main responsibilities are this, much time in prayer, much time in the Word. Because without those two things, he cannot equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Okay? It's going to be impossible. And so that's the reason why God says the saints need to be doing the work of the ministry so that he will have time to be much time in prayer, much time in the Word, much time going to the hospitals when he's needed at the hospitals, you know, counseling when, when somebody needs counseling, things like that that is going to continue to help the church to grow and to go forward. 
And so part of us being faithful is understanding where do I fit in. And I've, I've, I've heard, you know, and I'm in this category now, I've heard a lot of senior citizens say, well, I'm just too old. Can I tell you this? Do not believe what society says. That's what society says. You'll never find that here. You'll never find God saying you're too old to do something in his church. Never. Never. Okay? You'll never find God saying you're too old. Huh? Caleb, 85 years old. What'd he say? I want that mountain. God promised it to me 40 years ago. I want it. I'm going to take it. You know what? He was willing. He was motivated to do what God had told him to do 40 years before. And he went and he conquered uh, that mountain through God. Because he understood it wasn't him. It was God. Folks, it's not you. It's God. The ministry is not us. It's him. Keep our focus on him. And he will give us everything that we need to fulfill the ministry that God wants us to do. Right. I remember talking to Asunta in our church in Argentina. She died three months before she turned 100 years old. She was still in church. And there came a time that she couldn't do much because of her age. You know what I told her? You can still be involved in the greatest ministry that there is. You know what it is? Prayer. Praying for me. That was her job. Praying for me. Okay? Don't ever let somebody say and brainwash you that you are too old to do something for God. You're never too old until you die and go to be with him. We are called to serve an almighty God. Don't let this world brainwash you. God is able. We serve the God of the impossible. He can do things through you that you could not even imagine that he can do. If you're willing to say, here am I, send me. We had two couples come down to Argentina, farmers in their mid to late 50s to be missionaries in Argentina. And I'll tell you what, I have to take my hat off because I was 30, almost 32, and it was tough for me learning Spanish. And here they're coming down, you know, 55, 58 years old trying to learn Spanish. Whoo, mama mia, I mean, it was, I'm thinking, whoo, you know. But they followed God's call. One missionary went down to Argentina. He took uh, Spanish training in Mexico. The teacher in Mexico told him, told him, go back to the United States. You'll never do anything uh, in a Spanish-speaking country. And he, 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 he butchered, I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, 100% good, but he butchered Spanish. He did. But the largest independent Baptist church in Argentina is the one that he left. And he trained men. 
to take over and go out and start other churches. And he couldn't hardly speak Spanish. But he trusted that God had called him and wanted to use him to do something in Argentina. Huh? It's just believing. Folks, it's believing. Believe in a big God because we have a big God. And folks, he may want you to just stay here and be faithful and serve him here, but where does he want you to serve? Huh? He did not save us just to sit and warm a pew. Again, I don't care how old we are. Listen, kids can serve God. Uh, we take kids soul winning, door to door. I mean, uh, teach them by apprenticeship, doing. Okay? There's no age. I go back to the Bible. God does not put an age limit. Okay? To ser- serve Him. But He does put this requirement we have to be willing. We have to be willing. We have to be available. Well, I just don't have the time. We make time for what we want. How many of you make time, going to make time to eat lunch today? And some of you are going to eat some things that you really do not need. Can I say that? I'll include myself, you know. Some of us are going to eat things that we do not need. This body does not need, but that we want. And so we're going to make time to eat those things that our body does not need. Okay? We make time for what we want. Okay? Make time to serve God. You've been commanded. In order to be an obedient child of God... You need to make time to serve God here in your church. Well, I don't know where I can serve. I don't know a good independent Baptist preacher yet that if you go and ask him, Pastor, is there something I can do in the church? He'll find something for you to do. But again, you have to be careful because some of us only want to do what we want to do. Uh, When somebody comes to me and wants to start serving in the church, the first thing I put them in is this, cleaning the church. Hey, No, I want to see if they're in it for their own glory or if they're being humble and they really want to serve God, doesn't matter what it is. Because we're, we're serving Him for the benefit of the church, not for me. Not for my benefit, folks. It's not for my benefit. God wants to see our heart. Are we humble? Are we humble? And if we're humble, we'll do anything. We'll do anything. When I got saved, man, I, whew, I, I was, I, man, the preacher said, you need to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night. You need to be here Wednesday night. You be, need to be on Thursday night visitation. Huh? And we did it. Larry came alongside of me, you know, started being my mentor. And he said, man, we need to start a bus route. So we did. Eight hours every Saturday out knocking on doors. But we started bringing in 75 people on that bus. And I was working third shift. You know, I'd get off at, you know, 6, 7 in the morning. I'd be at church. 
You know, I go home, take a shower, and get to church. Huh? You never, but you got to be available. And if, you, if you're humble and you're available, you'll do whatever needs to be done so that God can work in his church, so his church can be edified. What kind of member are we? Are we humble? Are we available? Do we really want to be a faithful witness? What are you doing now? Because someone will say, well, I used to. It doesn't matter what we used to do. What are we doing now? What are you doing right now to serve God in your church? And if it's only occupying a pew, I can tell you right now this morning, brother or sister, it's not God's will. God wants you to be doing something. Huh? God wants you to be doing something. Because that is how this church reaches its Jerusalem. The church coming together as one. Working with the same goals in mind. To reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If only 50% of the members are involved, it will never be accomplished. The goal will never be accomplished that God has set for this church. It will never be accomplished. It has to be every member doing their part. Every member doing their part. Not 30% of the members doing 80% of the work. No, no. It's every member doing their share. You know, when you go to do a job, I don't know if you know this or not, if you can get three or four or five or six people involved, it goes a whole lot quicker. And it's easier. I'll, I'll just be honest, you know, I love it. You know, when it comes time to tear down tables and chairs, when everybody gets in there and starts doing it, it I mean, it goes like this. And it's a whole lot better on my back afterwards, too. I'm telling you, okay? And that's the way it is in the church. God wants this church to take the gospel across the world. But it must begin here. And it must begin with every member being a faithful witness in their Jerusalem and being involved somewhere wherever God wants you to be involved in his church. An invitation this morning is this. Will you say with Isaiah, Hear my Lord, send me, use me. I am willing. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Even if it's Argentina, I'll go. What does God want you to do? Be honest, what is it that God wants you to do? Who has God placed on your heart? Somebody that you know needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what? Whoever that person is, it begins with you praying for their salvation. And praying that God gives you an open door to be able to witness to them. Don't do it, try to do it without prayer. It will not work. It begins 
with prayer. And so if God has laid somebody on your heart that you know that they need to be saved, you need to be praying for them. My mom made a pact with God. She got saved in 1972. She made a pact with God. Every time that there is an invitation, I will be there praying for the salvation of my husband. Six years later, her husband, my father, got saved. And God used that to start working on my heart. And three months later, I got saved. Huh? We never know, but it begins with the dedication of praying for those folks' salvation. Let's all stand, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Sometimes the messages are preached like Brother Thornton preached this morning, and we have a tendency to say something like, you know, that was a good message. I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear it. But God knew just exactly who was going to be here today, uh, and that's you and I. And the message was for you and for me today. And if the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning about maybe you're not where you need to be, church, as a church member, can I encourage you to come today? Brother Thorne asked the question, what kind of church member are you? Can, can you ask yourself that today and just ask you, am I the church member that God would have me to be? If not, why don't you come today and give yourself to the Lord? Maybe you're here today and say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. You're in the perfect place to take care of that. Uh, the Lord is here this morning. The Spirit of God has impressed that upon your heart. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, one step will lead you to victory, but it'll lead you to everlasting, eternal life. But that's a step that you ought to take. So if you're here today while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you'd say, Preacher, I don't know if I'm saved, would you please pray for me? Is there someone like that? If, you're, if you don't know, would you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Preacher, I, I, I just don't know. Maybe you're here and say, Preacher, I, I, I'm saved, I'm born again, but I'm not the church member that God wants me to be. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up? Amen. 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 Yep. All over the building. Amen. Preacher, pray for me. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Father, I pray, God, this morning, Lord, I, I'm thankful for the message, Lord. Uh, God, thank you, Lord, for challenging our hearts today. Lord, as, uh, as Christians, God, to be the kind of uh, Christian kind of church member that we need to be, Lord, and it's got to start right here in this place. Lord, uh, examination begins at the house of God today, and so, Lord, I pray that right now we will begin to examine our own hearts and ask you, God, if we're that person, that Christian, that church member that we, we need to be. If we are not, I pray, God, that you'd give liberty this morning. May the Spirit of God reign in each and every heart today. May we come and do business with you. And God, I pray that there's somebody who's not saved, Lord, that they too will come and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So, Lord, give this invitation, Father, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While we sing a verse of invitation, if the Lord's speaking to you.